Are you a man who keeps returning to porn or other unwanted sexual behaviors when what you really want is to be free? If so, we can help. Hi, my name is Jonathan, the founder of Gateway to Freedom. This three-day workshop is for men who want to overcome any kind of sexual struggle or stronghold. Whether you're married, single, or divorced, this powerful intensive weekend will help you uncover what is at the root of your struggle and discover the man God always created you to be. Our next workshop is coming up April 17th through the 19th in Texas, in the Hill Country, just north of San Antonio. Space is limited, so call us today at 1-800-49-PURITY to register. That's 1-800-497-8748 or visit BeBroken.com. Good day, listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio program. We're glad that you've decided to join us. My name is Jonathan, and I have Stephen Cervantes here with me. So, how's yes, it going, my friend? Together again. I know, yeah. The dynamic a, duo, yeah. sort of, or something. <laughs> well, it is, uh, it, it's a, I keep kind of, I don't know, kind of being amazed that we're in the year 2020. Uh, it feels like something like a Star Trek date or something, you know? A critical, um, yeah. And I've heard people talk this year about how, yeah, we're, we're, we're supposed to be in the Jetsons era, you know? So I should be living in like a glass bubble in the uh, sky and having a robot cook me breakfast and everything. And so we're not too far off from that. But, um, Stephen, we're going to be talking in this session, I guess, about like we always talk in our – Gateway workshops. We always talk on this program. Um, we use the the term uh, growth mission, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so even when we talk about things like recovery, um, while there may be seasons of life that are really intent on things like recovery, healing, those kind of things, the whole of life is a growth mission, right? Right. So we're always to be learning and growing, and mm-hmm. so th- this particular program i guess you're wanting us to dive into that a little bit more like what does that actually look like i mean what is what yeah is a training? so uh, a training program a whole life training an emotional training program I, i'm I, we're gonna know what it is when we get done explaining it how's that i'm gonna ask you at the very end we'll talk about it and then we'll see what it's called right <laughs> there you go so I'm just going to launch, if that's okay. Please, yeah, let's dive in. So, so think about you. Think about a baby, innocent, doesn't know anything, fun, discovering the world, looking, big eyes, laughing and crying and pooping and getting cleaned up <laughs> and starting all over every day, and um, that's how we start. And then we think about how we end. Are we able to hold some of that lightness and freedom and play and create and the degree to which you manage and work through the emotional struggles of your life determine how well you hold that really important stuff? Because we go through this hardening process, then then we 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 become transformed, right? Whatever we goofies that we picked up at stuff. We're on a mission to be transformed from something. We start good, we get all messed up, then we're trying to get better. And whatever that is, I'm going to throw pieces of that. Um, yeah, because we're born into a broken world, right? The The world was broken 
by sin. And that's been perpetuated from mm-hmm. our first parents, Adam and Eve. And so the idea is that even this baby that is learning and growing, and there's a, there's a type of innocence to that child, um, hey, has been broken into, a, has been born into a broken system. And so it's that broken system that then these layers upon layers kind of get caked That's on us, perfect. right? Because because I'm calling those like traumas or life difficulties. They start to shape us and push us and train us to act a certain way. And those have effects on us, right? In the physical, the mental, That's the right. spiritual, the emotional. Um, so think about all the difficult events in your life of rejection, where you felt inadequate, where you made fun of and told what's the matter with you and or dealt with people that were in conflict or maybe drinking or gone or not helping you understand life. All of those traumas and difficulty shape us and they mess us up for the most part. They don't make us better. Right. They, they mess us up. So... In life, we need really good trainers. That's good parents, right? So that uh, in the beginning, the, we start with mom and dad every day. Mom and dad, every, for the longest time, till we go to school, mom and dad, mom and dad, program setting up, mom and dad. And if they're really good trainers, then we end up healthier. And if they're not, if they're strugglers, then we struggle. So where did your weaknesses come from? Some of them came from bad training or poor training. And this is not about blame or shame. We don't blame our parents. We don't shame our parents. We honor them. But we have to be honest about where we came from. So we know our parents had some strengths and they had some weaknesses. And we were raised in those struggles. Right. So if somebody yelled, you either hate yelling or you start yelling. Mm-hmm. Right, and if somebody worried and told you to worry, you might become a worrier too. And mom talks worry, and you talk worry, and mom talk, and I talk about worrying. And, worry. and that's why I think where we're talking now, when we're talking to you know the the majority of our listeners are adults, you know they're all they're all grown. So where we're talking now is we're trying to really gain an understanding of things that we didn't necessarily quote unquote learn consciously, right? Because what you're talking about in childhood, these things, these layers upon layers of brokenness upon brokenness and all that, you don't necessarily always have a cognitive articulation of what you have adopted. You have more of an experiential just absorption of what you've adopted. So the idea is when you're talking about, you know, yelling and you either hate yelling or you become a yeller, you didn't decide like at 12, I think I'm going to go the direction of becoming a yeller. You just, it's like, you just learn how to respond. Yeah. Situation you adopted. Right. Trying to not set somebody off from yelling and being really meek and quiet. So nobody yells. I mean, that's one strategy or hold your own at the table. Everybody else is yelling and grabbing and you get them yelling and grabbing so you can survive. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah, we just picked all these things up. So part one, we have a background. We have a story. We picked up strengths and we picked up weaknesses. And and it, some people don't even know they have weaknesses. And they go through life, their whole life, not mm. knowing. And we challenge people all the time, learn your story, own your story, pay attention to your story. You're living off a story. You're living out a story. 
right? So watch the story because it set you up. So then on this journey, we find our sexuality. Um, and man, we find our sexuality to be a very powerful, pleasurable thing. And so we're talking about when things are difficult, we have sexuality. When we're struggling, we don't feel love. We, we, we find our sexuality, mm -hmm. especially as young boys. Sexuality is all, often a solution to emotional pain, discomfort, rejection, inadequacy. When we feel those things, we run away and make up a fantasy where we're loved. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Well, I think because sexuality is so powerful, then it has it has the potential um, to drive some of this brokenness deeper into our being. So, for instance, when I think about sexuality being powerful, yes, there's a powerful aspect to it that can can lead to escape, right? Which That's only right. exacerbates the idea of isolating and, and disconnecting and figuring it out on your own and cr coming up with your own solutions. But I think also sexuality is powerful in the sense that if it has been, if it has been something that has been violated in your life, then in so many ways, then we then parts of our being begin to shut down completely. Mm. We we numb out emotionally. We we shut down through the defense mechanisms of of um, you know repression and some of those types of things to where it's powerful, right? It's powerful to create an escape or it's powerful in terms of shutting us down completely um and getting lost in the pleasure you mean or, well, i'm just saying if i've if you've been abused sexually oh right then parts of your whole emotional system mental system could even just be like disconnected shut totally down, disconnected yeah all that yep yeah. yep yep that's right that's a trauma response that's right so so if we don't have good, t if we don't know ourselves and have good tools to deal with the emotional challenges that we face and we're struggling, young men will often turn to their sexuality for comfort and pleasure. And as you were saying, an escape. But then we start to develop a second problem. We escape. Right. We fantasize. We avoid. We deny. We we live a separate from our real life. Yeah, so we become divided, right? We now have, and and now in in many ways, this I think is where so much of the uh, the stress, so to speak, of of the sexual brokenness comes in. And what I mean by that is, it's hard enough to manage a single life. Mm -hmm. Multiply that when you're managing a double life. Wow. So you're living two lives side by side and trying to keep You're them balancing up. these two yes. worlds basically to yep. where now I've I've got to make sure that this this life that I present to others is constructed in a certain way. But then I have this other life that's really kind of like the me time, the mm -hmm. the the sexual part, the porn part, whatever. And man, that's a stressful Existence. It's complicated. It's very complicated. So now our solution becomes a second problem. Right. We have the first problem that we're not very good emotionally. And when I say emotional, I always mean spiritual, emotional. They mm -hmm. always weave together, right? Because if you feel unworthy, is that emotional <coughs> or spiritual? Both. If you feel lonely, is that emotional, spiritual? Both. 
right? So whenever I say emotional, I also mean spiritual. So you have the first issue of, am I going to deal with life successfully, run a very healthy emotional system when I wasn't raised with one, but I need one now? Oh, I'll just run to my sexuality and I'll develop a, a sexual system. So when my first one breaks down, I run to my second one. But the problem is the first system is stuck in 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 an undeveloped state, and now we develop a second one, which is escaping, fantasizing, sexual pleasure, orgasm, release, a getaway sort of. And and what they say about addictions, they all start as solutions mm-hmm. until they become addictions. They they're a solution until they become a problem. So in the beginning, oh, it works great. I'm I'm just drinking a little alcohol. Oop, now I'm drinking too much alcohol. I'm using a little fantasy escape. Oop, now I'm fantasy and escaping too much. Right? So now we have two problems. And what you find underneath, when you find a guy that has an emotional, I mean, a sexual problem, I immediately know you have an emotional problem. Right. It's a given. Yeah. Because I've spent so much time escaping, fantasies, planning to escape, escaping, thinking about the last time I escaped, the last one I had. I mean, you're just consumed with with being somewhere else when you're here. Right. You're not working on being here, developing, maturing. So uh, most addicts don't, they have a sexual problem, but but at a deeper level, they have an emotional problem. Yeah. What do you think? It's, well, the sexual problem is built on on top of the emotional problem what i mean by that is like and and it's more intertwined and and you know overlaid than that but the idea is when somebody comes into your office for counseling because they say they're a porn addict what you're saying is oh no i actually know what your real problem is it's not the symptom of like you going and looking at porn that's right you're an emotionally disconnected probably emotionally stunted person um, poor skills, poor insight, haven't been doing this work. And this is important because when we're talking about this idea of a growth mission or your training program, so many people that have like a sexual addiction, they're thinking, okay, good. You're going to help me behaviorally change yes. from looking at porn or seeing prostitutes or acting out sexually to then not doing that or maybe doing some other healthy behaviors. Right. And what I'm hearing you saying is there's a whole world of layers beneath that that are the emotional, spiritual You've been paying attention, haven't well, you? Well, I've that lived this, good. you know, that's so that's good. part of it too. Is I mean, I've been living this for 21 years. So Growth mission, um, right. Th- this idea of having to, to, to deal with that underlying area. Uh, and here's good. the thing is a little little sidebar. I'll say having been on that mission for 21 years, uh, as it relates to a sexual addiction and things like that, I've been so amazed at how there's a seemingly endless number of layers that that are part of what we call in the Christian life the sanctifying work mm. of Christ, right? Oh. So I, I want people to hear this, that while there are certain seasons <clears throat> on this growth mission or this this training, so to speak, that have a much higher intensity to them and maybe a much greater weight and heaviness to them, there's not a point at which you're ever going to get in life where you don't have more layers that need to be addressed and dealt with and understood and and worked on. 
So I think it's important. Meaning learning more, digging deeper. Digging deeper. But here's the blind spot. Yeah. But here's the thing I will say is as as you come out of some of those more intense seasons, like I would say the first three to five years of my addiction recovery, Mm -hmm. the work that had to go on at the emotional, spiritual level was very heavy. I mean, the kind of amends that needed to be made for the ways that I hurt people and, Mm -hmm. and the lies that I was believing and the shame that I was carrying and the anger in my being and all those kinds of things really, really heavy and intense season. As I've come out of that, the layers that I have to deal with now have more of like a, a nuance to them or, or or they're more subtle. They're more about motivations, intentions of the heart. They're more, mm. in some ways, because I learned so many good things in the intense season, if I can put it this way, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. You can correct me if I'm wrong here. I feel like the recent years of growth that God has me on, I can get excited about. Yes. Like there's a there's even a joy and a pleasure and a like, what am I going to learn now? Like what mm. what's He got for me now? Because in 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 some ways the way that God proved Himself faithful to walk with me through those heavy, difficult, intense seasons of growth, I'm like, man, because of what you showed me there, yes. I can't I can't wait to see what you show what's me. Next? here. So while it can feel very, again, heavy and difficult, I mean, the good stuff is there and there's even better stuff, I think, coming. Well, and as you're saying that, that's really good conversation here because I like conversations where we try to figure things out and put pieces together because you have to go down and clean up your emotional system. And most of it has to be done with spiritual answers to help you get a greater truth. But then... While you were saying that, I was thinking, you, we leave the questions, do I have value, do I have worth, am I stupid, dumb, and lazy, do I, will anybody like me? I mean, that's some basic emotional work. But as you get more sophisticated, don't you ask bigger spiritual questions mm-hmm. on the journey? And so you're doing bigger, deeper work, less trauma, freedom-related, and more like, he talks about transformation, it's like, well, yeah, and I think the par- one of the paradigm shifts that happens too, and that's that maybe this is why some of the later work and the later training and growth does have an element of, if I can put it this way, like joy and excitement to it. Yes, is because a lot of that heavy and intense work, you are having to look at yourself yep. in terms of all the areas that have been broken. Not diminishing the reality that others have dumped their brokenness in your life and you have to deal with that, but you're also having to look at the things that you've carried, you've picked up, you've said, I'm going to do this, Mm -hmm. and it's been unhealthy and damaging and all that. When you come out of that work, part of the way that God begins to shift your focus is he's saying, okay, listen, I'm making you healthy because I have a mission for you, a mission of love, a mission of purpose, a mission of service. Mm. Oh, right. Those so are the then, better things. So yeah. then your eyes, they come sort of like, kind of like off yourself because now you're getting healthy and you're going, oh, man, there's there's a world right. out there that needs this message, needs hope. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, and, and that's that two-phase process, right? I want to go back to something you said earlier because when people are in treatment or recovery, that's behavioral work, right? A but large part of it, yeah. have to remember to do the deeper emotional, spiritual work, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yep. Okay, so what, what you find inside that somebody's got an addiction is they have no peace and they have no rest. Mm-hmm. They can't be with themselves. They can't be quiet. They can't be still. They can't be creative. They can't do... 
they they're either stressed or they're running for comfort or stressed or hiding or pretending or running for comfort you know what i mean they don't have any peace or joy or rest but that's that's what we're supposed to have at our core peace love acceptance freedom forgiveness you know so so that's sort of we talked about the emotional piece then we talked about the sexual piece now i'm going to back up and talk about some emotional skills and most people need to move from mad in their life to sad. Explain that. Yeah. yeah. Mad is stuck. I'm mad, I'm mad, I'm mad, I'm mad. You die mad, okay? Sad is grieving. So that I'm going, wow, I wish it worked out better. I'm not fighting against, uh, you know, I guess God had a plan or, or, that person that was I ran into evil and that's what happened, but I don't have to fight against. I'm moving myself through something. And specifically for yourself. You'll be mad about your story, but you know you're doing your work when you're sad about your story. And and maybe if I could as you're saying that, I'm trying to think of what this looks like kind of in in, in reality, right? Like when I think of mad or anger. Mm-hmm. It's not something that's that that I can. It's not something that I ever really feel like I release. In other words, I can express anger, but I'm I'm holding. That's right. I'm holding anger. Right. So I can be yelling at you. I'm angry. I'm angry. I'm angry. I'm not letting go of any injustice. of anything. I'm screaming injustice and disappointment and pain. I'm screaming and. Yeah. But what I'm hearing you say is, if I can take mad, mm-hmm. and then and then sort of let it kind of uh, drift down into sad where I realize, okay, there has been injustice or something that I wanted didn't happen or, and, and I'm really, I'm really sad that you responded that way. And I was disappointed. And, and so you're feeling at a different level because I feel like what you're saying is sadness because it brings you closer to grief then brings you closer to release. That's right, exactly. Right? You got it. So Mad is I'm waiting out there for something to happen. I'm holding it. And you know why we're mad? Because we're waiting for the person that offended us to come in and say, I'm so sorry it wasn't you, it was me. It's like, oh, now I can give it back to you. I've been carrying it because you did this to me. And until you tell me you did, I can't get out of this. I'm old. A lady said to me, I'm mad, and I'm going to be mad till the day I die. And I thought, oh, you're going to be stuck till the day you die at this? Because the other person didn't say they were sorry they did this to me. Mm. It's like, oh, that's it. She just trained me and showed me, you're stuck because they can't take it off you and take it back. You're going to carry it to your death? But if you go, whoa, this is sad. This was not the life God had for me. I was, this stuff was never supposed to be carried by me. This was sad. I was supposed to have mm. a clean, light, free, f- forgiven life. I want my life back so I am moving to the sadness so I can get past the stuck place. And you know what? This is this is what's so beautiful and life-giving and transformative about the gospel, right? Because what I'm hearing you say is, the release is always found in forgiveness. So when you think about, think about even the language that is used by God related to the gospel. There is a righteous anger in God against all sin. We all deserve to die. Hmm. 
but because he loves us, right? We talked about this a lot, right? Motivation for even anger is love. I mean, what do you love the most? And God says, I don't love, I don't love anything more than I love people. And so therefore he's saying, even though you are deserving of death, I love you. Oh, that's good. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a way. And so therefore there was still wrath and anger that had to be poured out, but it got poured out on Jesus, which then offers to us forgiveness mm-hmm. so that through his forgiveness, guess what? I can go from mad to sad and I can grieve because my goodness, there's a God who went from mad to sad over his son mm-hmm. to a point where he could release and say, come on in. There's a like, That's interesting. like even That's God really went good. even God kind of went through the grief process That's great. through the death of his son in order to then offer life to us and forgiveness. So I think there's a powerful connection to the gospel mm-hmm. when we recognize that if if we hang on to our anger, that leaves no hope for our souls in the same way that if God had held only on to anger, mm-hmm. there is no hope for our souls. And so even he went down into a different part of emotion to be able to say, listen, there's a righteous anger here, but there's a different way to handle it than mm-hmm. to keep hanging on to the anger. That's good. So the gospel is what releases us in all of this. Look at he's preaching. Look at him. <laughs> I can't good, help it. You're the, you know? you're the clinician and I'm the There you go, preacher. the pastoral guy. <laughs> so we need to go back to that innocent child and be curious again and release our anger and our disappointments and and so that we can live present in the moment light and free because we were made for innocence and purity, mm-hmm. right? And that's what we want to hold on to. And you, along the journey, you're going to have to talk to yourself because your sexual part is going to want to jump and go. Because that's so, what you were trained to do in response early, to pain, that's right? right. Yeah. And that's the early solution. Go, go. Something comes up. Go, go. Get away from yourself. And I find myself talking to myself. And I say, you know where that leads. Mm. You know the ending of that. Do you want to get worse? Okay, settle down, sexual part. We're not going. We can't go. Stop it. Because our sexual parts want to jump out and lead us. Mm-hmm. I'm still going to be a sexual being, but I got to bridle that in by talking to myself and saying, you know what you're doing. You're lying to yourself. Really? You think that's a solution? Really? And after just the three or four lines, I'm back. Yeah. It's a tool to use to rein yourself in. And I think one of the important things to do during that kind of self-talk is to really uh, resist all shame lies. Yes. In other words, Stephen, you know what? I used to have this very uh, neat and tidy way of thinking of how I needed to respond to sexual temptations and all mm-hmm. that. Kind of, and and that, that idea of, hey, something triggered a pain point in me and I want to go do something unhealthy is I always thought, well, the only proper response to that mm-hmm. is immediate. <laughs> Whatever God, he's going to say is dumb. And, <laughs> yeah. The, the only proper response is... <laughs> in other words... My my shame was basically telling me, I don't have a father like the prodigal son's father, mm. who even loved him while he was in a pigsty. You know, right. you know what I mean? Who who he had to go through that whole point to get to come to his senses where he's going. I'm going to return home. Mm. God finally showed me. You know what? Wherever you go in this process, from the moment that you feel a temptation to the moment that you come home, He says it's about the coming home. It's always about. I don't shame home. you. Yeah, it's always for how far you went home. down on this journey. So that's what that's good. done is it's allowed me to kind of just go take a deep breath. You know right. what? This feeling could be here all day. Mm. 
I don't need to shame myself for just the struggle all day mm-hmm. or whatever. But like you said, also being being truth telling to myself of going, okay, you know where this leads. Can we can we remember some history here, <laughs> and and like recall, and and all of that combined together, yes, I think is part of that training of just That's saying. Good. Well, and I forward. wanted to lead into the the next point, which is go home. You will fail. Just go home. Get up and say, Father Abba, I failed. I'm coming home. I need mm-hmm. to be in your presence. I messed up, God. I'm sorry. No shame, no blame, no tread. Don't waste any time tearing yourself up. Run to Abba and say, prodigal's home. Sorry, mm-hmm. Dad. You know, just so that we can bring ourselves to rest. That's good. So That's we good. want to wrap there? Yeah. Basically, what we want to leave you with is this is a lifelong growth journey. It's, I mean, we're all going to be at different seasons in terms of that heaviness and the weight. But uh, the point is we need to keep moving. Yes. Uh, my dad used to always say it's easier to steer a moving ship. In other words, get out of port, be moving, be moving, because growth is about movement. Um, but the real work that we need to do is is the heart work, the emotional work, the spiritual work. And then that has an effect then on behavior. So if you're wherever you are in your journey, we would love to hear your story and be able to help walk you walk with you over this next season and help you mm-hmm. with whatever your next steps are on your particular training program. So we're glad you've been with us. We hope this has been helpful. And we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio program. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.